Uh, this show's a little bit different from the other shows because we are just going to bang in right to our guest. His story's pretty um, unbelievable, and I'm going to let him tell it. Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua David Stein. That dude is Jason Gay, my co-host. Hi, Jason. Gentlemen. And our guest is, well, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Shiresh. I was uh, grew up in Lower East Side in New York, and... Uh, I'm a father of a two-year-old, and uh, last winter I went... Wait, to... not for the reveal? I don't want to hear uh, the reveal yet. Oh, we're holding that? <laughs> we're holding it All until right. the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the Lower Side. No, um, yeah, so Shiresh is our guest. It's his, uh, I can say this, right? It's your gnome de guerre. It's not your given name, and we'll yes. get into the reasons why. Um you have a two-year-old, I have a five-seven-year-old, two two kids. Jason, you have two kids. I think so, yeah. Yeah, last, last check. <laughs> I saw you yesterday. and six, yeah, yeah, that, that checks out. I have one so far. You have one so far. Sometimes we talk to people uh, because like, I have questions about things I'm struggling with or Jason's struggling with, although mostly me as a dad. Um, and then sometimes we talk to people because uh, they have amazing stories, which is very far from our life path. And I think you fall into that latter category. <laughs> I was trying to think of like what in your story relates to m my story and struggles I might have as a dad, but it's so far removed from my experience. Yeah, I, I have no amazing stories. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're just two. We're three Brooklyn dads, but one of us has done something yeah. amazing. I, I bought milk last night. That doesn't really count. Oh, was it oat? Uh, it was. It was oat milk. Yeah, oh, oatly. Yeah. yeah. Living on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> A real vanguard. Um, but Shiresh, what did you do last winter? Yeah. Uh, last winter, I uh, volunteered with the YPG um, in their project. The YPG are? The YPG are the predominantly Kurdish... Uh, forces in Syria that are combating ISIS and trying to build a democratic society. Um, so you were what? <laughs> what were you doing? And then you were serving the internet, and you're like, "Hey, you know what? I am this dude. You said you grew up in the Lower East Side. You yeah. had a young kid. There was like a pop-up ad or something like that. <laughs> well, there was I... like Bomba socks, Casper mattresses, YPG." Yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess my path down that road to end up in Syria uh, started with uh, the World Trade Center attacks in 2001. Um, I was in high school at that time and, um, yeah, suffered, barely survived those uh, attacks myself. Um, you were and, in the vicinity. Yeah, three blocks away in high school. And... Um, yeah, I started to, I was forced to pay attention to the rest of the world in that time and started participating in the anti-war movement, mm -hmm. um, uh, which I participated in throughout college and yeah. Okay. 
That seems like a normal um, or relatively right. that common. That tracks the idea, obviously, you know, for a lot of people that was an awakening and, and, and certainly, you know, a lot of people got involved in, you know, the, the post-Iraq invasion, anti-war movement. But, but how do you go from there to this, you know, major significant life move? Yeah. So um, I also want to put this in the context of the climate crisis that okay. we're living in. Um, it's uh, expected that we'll have up to 300 million refugees uh, by 2050. And um, during the uh, Syrian civil war, which was instigated by uh, large scale drought and food shortage, uh, we've had to deal with about 1 million uh, refugees from Syria that have uh, migrated to Europe and the United States. So uh, the way that we deal with uh, refugee crises uh, now, I think, will um, is important for the future of, of how society sure. looks. Sure. I guess I'm just like I agree with you, and we just had Camilo Mora, who was a who's a professor at University of Hawaii, who, who his study was a one slug in the New York Times is like by 2100, it will be like a horror show. You know, like he's a, he, he was the guy who synthesized like 5,000 climate change studies into one that kind of shows the interwoven effects of climate change. So I understand that. And like, I, I get it. I'm trying to draw the connection between the relatively common story of like September 11th, m motivated to look at the world. It affected me personally. Um, like. I engage in the anti-war movement to some extent, which, you know, I did too. And I think a lot of people did, but then to go from there, right. Into getting on a plane and going to Syria to fight is so, or I don't know to fight. I mean, we can get into what you did there, but like that is <clears throat> wildly divergent. Like at some point something changed. I don't know if it was in you or it developed in you but when did you decide to put your body and life and to some extent the life of your family on the line to yeah, for sure. turn this abstract thing into something very concrete? Yeah. So uh, I really believe that we all have a responsibility to uh, make the world a better place and we have an opportunity every day. And uh, the actions that we take or don't take today and tomorrow uh, dramatically affect the world that our kids are going to grow up in. Okay. So if if we don't deal with uh, the big problems that we face today, our kids are going to have a horror show to deal with in the future. Now, I, I don't mean this to sound glib, but how do you get in touch with YPG? How does that begin? Is it an email? Like, how does that correspondence start? Yeah, so I I just started, like, reading about... The situation there and about who the actors were and um yeah just uh after after a time i was i was really drawn to the project in northern syria uh where they're trying to create uh, a, plural, a pluralistic society um without uh prejudice against religion or ethnicity mm -hmm. um or gender and so yeah, I, w I decided that I was gonna go with my wife after lots of long discussions, and um, and sent, you had, sent and an email. You had a 
you you already had a kid at that time. Yes. Uh, she was she, right? She uh my my son, yeah. Son, sorry, he. Yeah. He was um quite young. Yes, yes. Yes. Um when just he was still uh kind of a newborn before a 1-year-old, so um mm-hmm. But you went by yourself, not with your family. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make clear. <laughs> no, Although you, you, you got the pack and play, <laughs> no, no, you got the. <laughs> no, 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 because you mentioned with your wife. Okay, so you have this conversation. Is it? Uh, yeah. What's that wife, conversation? Uh, you know, I have a hard time getting out of the house to go to a Knicks game. Is it complicated to negotiate? Yeah, of course. Although we'd been talking about it for years. Yeah. Um, so uh, the timing seemed to line up. You know, it's tough. You just had a newborn. Yeah, well, it's tough um, for new fathers, right? Uh, especially with breastfeeding. Uh, there's only so much that a newborn father can actually do around the house. Uh, oftentimes, um, working my full-time job, I would wake up before they wake up, and then by the time I get home, uh, they're already asleep. So, I don't know how much you're comfortable with talking about on yeah, you, we don't have to talk about it at all. But what was your job at the time? Uh, I'm a landscaper. So you were just out? Um, Working all day. Yeah. yeah, so you didn't see them anyway? Um, or yeah, that often. and I feel like that's a common experience. And so, yeah, it's tough, right? Um, what are we doing with our lives, working our nine to five? How are we participating in the lives of our families? Um it's a tough question. I don't have good answers about it, but so yeah, just pursuant to Jason's conversation, uh, Jason's question about the tone and tenor of the conversation. So you had been talking to your wife about specifically going to Syria, or just in general mm-hmm. about like um, being active and fighting for what you believe in. You know, no, you know, every day I do uh, my activism mainly around uh, gardens and ecology. Um, yeah, so it's, it's always a negotiation of of how much time you give to your activism compared to the time at home and and all of it's a sacrifice. You try and bring your kid out as much as possible and and spend as much time, uh, being there. Yeah. So how do, how do you go get there? Like what, what is the process in terms of, you know, going from, this is something I'm interested in and motivated to do to actually getting on the ground. Uh, yeah, you send, uh, you send an email to the YPG and, uh, YPG at (laughs) gmail.com. It's it's easy to find on the internet. And, um, and they sent me a long questionnaire, uh, making sure it wasn't some nutcase in English, in English, uh, asking me the reasons I wanted to go, that the reasons I wanted to participate um, making sure I was going for the right reasons. Yeah. Which were that I, I care deeply about, uh, the sacrifices of the people over there, um, that I care deeply about the, the struggle that they're participating in to try and build a, a more just society. Um, and yeah. Was it hard to get there? Uh, yeah, because you can't just fly into exactly. Syria. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Although the United States have been able to do that, but mm-hmm. um, the United States military. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had to fly into Iraq, which is actually like pretty nice place. 
it was surprising to me. And then uh, we had to cross by foot over the border. Had you traveled extensively before in that area? No, no. I, I, uh, it was my first time really spending time in the Middle East, yeah. So you flew, where'd you fly into in Iraq? Uh, Slomani, uh, which is in the Kurdish northern region. Mm-hmm. Did you have a... They, they, did you have a cover story, or, or did you need one, or is it just like, hey, I want to go here, here's my passport, there's no legal reason why I can't, let me through? Yeah, they, they offer you a short visa. Um, there's lots of reasons people from the United States go. Yeah. Um, and my friend had been over there working as a paramedic, uh, so my cover story was that I was going to support him. Uh, with his medical work, even though I, I don't have any medical training. Yeah. Well, speaking of training, you know, when I first came across your story, um, it's kind of under the mantle of guy goes to fight ISIS. Mm. And I don't know what fight ISIS means. Like, what did you do? You don't have military training. No, no, yeah, and I didn't really know what that would look like either. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought, you know, because I've, know almost nothing about guns uh you know to volunteer militarily i thought they would kind of like put me in some random outpost in the desert to you know stand there stand guard <laughs> yeah um but uh Shuresh from the lower east side <laughs> yeah, like there aren't really any guns around i mean you know i'd been shot at before or like not shot at but like had bullets close by me you know, Lurie side, it was kind of oh, rough. back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> the coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it wasn't the first time, like, having a bullet whiz by my head. But, um, yeah, it was cert- I was certainly extremely what alien did you to me think to, you were like, going hold to do? a gun. What did you think you were going to do when you went there? Well, uh, there's lots of ways that people volunteer. And uh, almost every day I was there, I was working on one gardening project or another when I wasn't on the front line. Um, I also learned some medical skills uh, that I was able to, uh, I was saved a lot of people's lives just by having some tourniquets on me and applying them in the right ways. Um, I, uh, the, the pro the project in Northern Syria uh, is deeply rooted as well in ecology. Um, The, the Civil War started because of a food crisis. They've been forced to do monocropping uh, across the region. Which crop? Uh, they do a lot of uh, wheat and they do a lot of cotton. Okay. Um, and yeah, the Syrian regime prohibited the planting of trees and doing kind of agroforestry stuff. And so uh, a lot of people are working on these projects. Uh, they're pretty important for the development of autonomy in the region Mm -hmm. to go back to the training thing yeah 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 so i didn't i I was able to do all sorts of volunteerism um i also ended up doing a bit of carpentry and masonry while i was there uh but they asked me to participate in frontline defense of the space they said that it's important um for everyone to to fight shoulder to shoulder you know and uh uh, due to my ethics, it was hard for me to disagree with that, you know? Um, 
I, I don't see myself as better than anyone else. Um, I went there to be, to offer my services and that's how they asked me to participate. And I, I was glad to agree to that. So I've been thinking about like this interview and what I'm going to ask you because I'm also I'm just really curious about your moral and ethical dilemmas that you were facing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So like was... you basically went there to help people, mm -hmm. right? And you get there, and I don't know if you knew this was going to happen, but it seems like you were down to do it. Basically, also asked you to fight and presumably kill people. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, I, did you? Was it even a possibility in your mind? Not only that you might die, but that you would kill another human being. Yeah, I guess you know I came to terms with that. Um, the reality on the ground is is what it is. Um, and yeah, when you're serving on the front line, uh, you'll have these jihadist guys with bomb vests come straight at you and all they're trying to do is kill you and before they die themselves and so yeah it's really a matter of self-defense to to shoot and kill them and that was you know I'm my father is a lifelong pacifist uh participated in the anti-war movement uh so that that wasn't um <laughs> nobody wants to Kill somebody else. Were you scared? Um, only like the first time I was. Well, I don't know. Your your heart just is beating so fast. You don't have time to be scared. You just have time to like do your job. So, did you feel the sense of commitment once you got there that you felt before you got there? In that, you know, you felt driven to participate in this, and you know, so we've heard stories in the past of other people who have volunteered their services and, and, and causes and then got there and started to feel disillusionment and, 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 you know, feel that things were a lot messier once you got into it and got under the hood of it. How did you feel once you were there? Did it, was it clarifying or was it more confusing? Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, my view of war and conflict is much more nuanced now than when it was when I was like holding a sign saying stop yeah. the war. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the the area in northern Syria is like a deeply religiously conservative, historically, a uh, place, and mm -hmm. um, so yeah, to go with alongside people that are. Uh, struggling for progressive values and like dealing with all the contradictions that that come in with that um, is complicated. Yeah, it's how not often, like an ideal place. How often would you run into another American, if at all? Um, yeah, pretty often. Yeah, in, uh, there were other American volunteers, people like yourself who had mm -hmm. been drawn to it, mm -hmm. and as as well as like a lot of United States NGO. special forces. Oh, special. Okay, yeah, actual U.S. because the YPJ. Personnel. YPG work well worked yes who knows yes. now worked with the US to fight ISIS yeah uh, like 
side by side. Right. Um, I would be like in the same place as them, you know. Right. Um, what was we their like, relationship with you? I mean, like, hmm? not to be a weirdo or an ungracious host, but like your story is so far. It, to me, it just seems pretty far out there. Like it seems like the accepted. Um, route for an American to be in a conflict zone is to join the U.S. military, especially when the U.S. military is active in that conflict zone. But you chose instead to volunteer um, with a U.S. ally. I mean, the Kurds are a U.S. ally um, through a non-traditionally military route. Route? <laughs> I'll I'll accept both. Okay. Um, you know, so th there you are in the battlefield, this dude from the Lower East Side, landscaper, motivated by altruism with U.S. Special Forces who, just judging from the demographics of the all-volunteer force, are like vastly different from you, motivated by different things, have a whole lot of training, are professional soldiers. So what is that interaction like between you guys? Yeah, and with proper equipment as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I had to buy like... Uh, I bought like a bulletproof vest in Iraq for 50 bucks, you mm. know. Um, so what did they think of you when you ran into U.S. soldiers? What were, were they like? They were like or were they, excited they were? to see an American That's with the YPG. And yeah. they, uh, they, sometimes they communicated a bit of jealousy that I was going to actually the front line, whereas their position in support roles. There. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was uh, kind of mutual respect. Um, Did it change your impression of U.S. military? For sure. For yeah. Sure. In what respect? Um, it, the United States military is all volunteer, and the people that are in Syria really care about uh, what's going on there, mm -hmm. and they're invested in it and, and care deeply about trying to do the right thing. So this caricature of us as being, you know, a country of, you know, just professional soldiers and not invested in it, you didn't find to be accurate. No, there. I don't, not from anyone that I talked to. No, uh, as well as like there were people that had been in the U.S. military or were on leave and had gone to volunteer mm -hmm. alongside me. So I actually got some training from them uh, on the side. You know, it wasn't yeah. like the official training, which was pretty uh, like here's how you clean your rifle. Yeah, training. Um, so I, I got some sort of tactics from the folks, the United States ex-military folks that were right. volunteering with YPG. Mm -hmm. I just want to go back to, because this is, I think about it a lot. It's like, you know, to take another human life is such a profound thing to do. And in the United States, and as in a lot of places, we wrap being a soldier in duty, like, you know, national duty, moral duty, and that it's your job, and then you have all the structures of the military and the unquestioning loyalty and all these things. And I think we have all of that to some extent to um, insulate us from the moral suffering that must occur when you take another human being's life, regardless of whether they're running at you with a suicide vest or whatever. This, you're still taking a life. You are a strange case because you didn't have all those other trappings that so many people bring with them. You didn't go through the basic training of being stripped down and then rebuilt as a soldier. You're a guy who was motivated to head into the battlefield. You know, 
to bring it back to fatherly obligatory, you know, obligatorily, it's like you had a newborn at home. You had just brought a life into the world. And there you are in the battlefield in northern Syria taking human lives. How did you, um, in your own heart, how did you balance those? Well, I mean, uh, from everything that I've heard from folks that have escaped living under ISIS is the, the brutality is immense. Um, mass work camps, sex slavery, um, and children being raised to be soulless in regards to that. And so when people would escape, uh, it was incredibly empowering and inspiring to see to see people burn their burqas, um, um, to have like first cigarette and uh, tremendous joy and relief on their faces is was yeah it was so you're saying big. that your it's a struggle for humanity and and definitely I, f I felt uh well just on the battlefield you have an obligation to stay alive and that's the that's the ethics behind well that. yeah that's part of this <laughs> i imagine too is you're bearing witness and and in, you know in this country syria is treated oftentimes as a you know terribly complex uh war that you know we have passing involvement in and disputed involvement in and there are all sorts of competing sides and geopolitics involved and i grab 10 people on the street you probably get 10 utterly different impressions of what's happening and do you feel well, since eight people would have no idea and then two <laughs> people would have that, that's impressions. true i think that's accurate um but since coming back you know and whether or not your child is able to process any of it is probably still very young but do you feel responsibility to sort of, you know, elucidate for people what's happening? Yeah, or at I least mean, what you saw. Definitely, uh, there's a lot of overgeneralizations of the conflict there. It's not, it's not uh, the simplest mm -hmm. uh, of right. situations. There's yeah. a lot of geopolitical actors at play. Um, but there's also, you know, you'll hear a report on. Syria in the news that's like two minutes long and they talk about the rebels and the regime and they would they don't mention the Kurdish people yeah. at all yeah and they think they act like that's the only thing that's going on yeah um or they'll talk about uh the area in northern Syria and say oh like the United States allies and not talk about uh the project for democratization of women's rights right and um, ecology that's going on, right? right? They won't talk about the interdependence that's being built uh, between Kurdish people, Arab people, Assyrians, Turkmen, all the minority people that are living there that are forced to work together uh, is, is really inspiring. It's like a vision for the future. And it kind of comes into contradiction, or it comes into the, the narrative yeah. of oh, the Kurds, we need to back the Kurds, or we need to back the Shiites sure. or the Sunnis. Um, that's not what society looks like. Yeah. There are, groups of people aren't monolithic. And, yeah, um, yeah the fact that people are working together in, yeah. in the Democratic Federation of Northern Syria isn't something that it gets talked about at all. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I hope people realize that 
this is uh, this is an opportunity for something better in the Middle East. I mean, in a funny way, some of these ideas you're expressing are you know, sound neoconservative classically. You know, the idea of nation building, the idea that there is an opportunity to uh, you know bring democratic ideals to a country that didn't have them or a region that didn't have them before. You know, I know that's not explicitly what you're saying. I, but, I, but didn't, you, you, I didn't go like with my own ideas trying to impose right, them. Exactly. A hundred percent. But you do seem to have this belief now that there is a progress happening, but also the progress is worth protecting and growing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Although it's not, it's not like exactly nation building because they're not trying to separate from Syria. They right. just want democratic autonomy. Version, right. Yeah. When did you, you were there for seven months. When did you decide and how did you decide it was time to go back to Brooklyn? Well, they ask uh, for a minimum participation of six months. So I definitely wanted to fulfill my obligations there. Um, and yeah, there was an interesting time when uh, I, I got injured on the battlefield. And um, what happened? Uh, my rifle exploded in my face in the middle of a firefight. Oh. Uh, it was like kind of like an old rifle. So and you're like, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm injured. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. And um, I was able to get back to a medical point where there were uh, U.S. Special Forces that treated me. And uh, one of them, after putting some, splinting my hand and putting some burn cream on my face, uh, cleaning me up a bit, asked if I wanted to get airlifted home. And uh, I... I said, thank you, but, you know, uh, it's only January, and I still have a few more months to, to participate here. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like uh, my nightmare recurring that uh, I w someone would convince me to go home early, mm -hmm. oh. uh, which was kind of strange, you know? Right. You would think it would be the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I really wanted to, to fulfill my obligation. I, I knew that it was like my one opportunity to participate there. You know, once mm -hmm. uh, my kid was older, is there's no more chance. Right. Uh, so you said no in January. Yeah. And then I came back uh, in April. Mm -hmm. You got airlifted back or did you fly commercial? Yeah, flew commercial. Uh, the, the YPG bought me a plane ticket home. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to what extent... Were you doing this to fulfill your like personal ambition? Sounds like a um, cynical word. I don't mean it cynically. I mean like, you know, this is your one chance. This is something you want to do. To what extent were you like, you wanted to do this thing versus um, this will have the biggest difference? Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe I said that a little, I miscommunicated a little bit. I, f I felt more like... Uh, this is really like what I'm supposed to be doing at that time. Uh, it's the it's the best opportunity to create peace in the region, um, and and I, I need to be able to tell my son when he's older that I did everything that I could to to try and make the world a better place for him. I took every opportunity that I could to to make the world a better place for him, because. Uh, if if things keep going down this direction, uh, we're going to have to answer questions to our kids that, you know, sometimes uh, as a 30-year-old, I ask 
to my parents, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like, how did you let this climate crisis get so far? Mm -hmm. um, and so when your son asks you, you'll say, well, I fought. Well, I did. <laughs> I did everything that I could. Listen, you ingrate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like the world is, is tough, but, uh, you know, we have to lead by example. You know, we have to teach by example and be uh, good parents in a lot of different ways. Are you staying in touch with people you knew over there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I they talk to them on WhatsApp, you know. Scared about the US pull out of Syria. Yeah, it's tough because um or I don't know if scared, betrayed, angry, I would be furious. There's yeah, there's a lot of conflicting emotions. Um it depends who you're talking to, of course, as well. Um the Kurdish folks are more willing to like let the regime take over border security. Mhm. Mm um, hmm. you know, because they, they're not trying to separate from the state. Right. They're like, um, right. They just need protection from Turkey. Right. Uh, so whereas like some of the Arab folks are, are like, uh, they lived under the regime and then were with the FSA before having to live under ISIS. And now they're with the YPG and they're n not feeling the, uh, the return, regime. yeah, <laughs> to the regime, yeah. Um, how was your return to the states? Like you hadn't seen your kid in seven months; he's all grown up. Yeah, <laughs> like you, I went. You left being a non-veteran, kind of, and came back a veteran. Mm. What was that reentry like? Yeah, so I was worried. You know, my kid wouldn't remember who I was, even though you know I. Stayed in touch with them as much as possible. Talked with them uh, almost every day when I wasn't on the front line. FaceTime? Yeah, uh, well, the internet wasn't good enough for that, but um, I could send, like, voice messages, and we'd, like, communicate voice message back, voice message back, kind of like a extended conversation where you say, like, right. you know, 15, 20 seconds at a time, and then, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it took a, a day and a half for him to remember who I was, which was, <laughs> it was awesome. We were in like the grocery store and he was like on my chest and, uh, he was like, Papa. And I was like, Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you miss the most? You know, obviously your family, but what did you miss like about New York life that you were psyched to get back to when you got home? Oh man. I uh, everything. I don't know, you know, the subway, the people. Yeah. Um, Cortados. Gray's papaya. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't find a hot dog out there. <laughs> um, but also it must be, I, I don't think it's just for you, but I think for a lot of um, service members or people who have served overseas, it's such a crazy parallel universe that here we have Whole Foods and living so blithely and that there is suffering so um so prevalent and so pressing well you know here's another thing that's really misrepresented in in the media that we see here and is, by what i just said <laughs> is that uh you know that there's like widespread devastation uh everywhere in syria and in the northeast of Syria, uh, a lot of places never saw conflict. Right, people see uh, Raqqa and they think that that's the whole country. That's the whole country, right. and and these places are peaceful. This is where 
refugees went to right. to flee the fighting. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a huge amount of internally displaced people that live there um, that are getting to uh, to live in peace, mm -hmm. you know, and in security. So, um, you know, there's grocery stores. Yeah. I like found an ice cream yeah, spot. Yeah, but do they you have know, Whole like, Foods? There's no Whole Foods. <laughs> Great. That's my point. <laughs> um, so you didn't feel that that juxtaposition so much. No, I mean, of course, it's like totally different. And then I had to like quit smoking when I came back as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah what did your, what did you, was your wife like? You picked up some bad habits. Bro. No, no. I was like, I'm very good at quitting cigarettes. I've done it a hundred times. Yeah. yeah. What was the uh, debrief like with your own father? You know, I think of what mm. you said about his, you know, life of pacifism and, and this must have been in some respects, a very strange turn for him to process. And, and what was that like? Yeah, I mean, talking with him ahead of time, uh, he really was against the idea of me going. Yeah. And so I had to kind of leave um, without saying goodbye to him. Okay. Which was tough. Yeah. That was really tough. Because he was that mad. He, he, he was going to try and stop me. Right. Physically, physically. from yeah. going. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, that was that was tough, and then like, um, yeah, my mom was pretty pissed too, you know. Um, she, uh, as soon as I saw her, she just started like punching, me, like, "Damn you for leaving your family!" <laughs> yeah. When you got and back, I, I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. 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 And I, has that you know thought a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it it took a a little bit of time, but yeah, yeah, yeah we were able to like. Tell stories and yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Would you ever down. do what he did? Me? Yeah, I have a hard time volunteering to coach soccer. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm afraid of any kind of commitment. You should know that by now, Joshua. No, I, I do. You are. It hard is. To track you down. have. You have. Uh, you have. Uh, you know, articulated it a few times in this interview, Joshua. That this is. You know, your story is extraordinary i mean i've not met anybody who's gone and done what you've done and and i can't think that this is a wildly common thing to do um yeah no i there's no part of me that could do it yeah i'm a, I'm a full-blown coward i i think it's very courageous what you did I'm not sure it's cowardly not to do it though because i keep on going back For sure i keep on going back to like the personal karma that you also incur and like how it changes you. And I think like for me, I mean, this is something that I think a lot of dads wrestle with. There's an injustice in the world in some way. How are you going to best address that? Like for me, I think about, okay, maybe it's very, it's much easier to give money, you know, or it's much easier to find the policy level that you want to impact like for me, money in politics, right? For me, it all goes back to that. So I donate to whatever common cause. Like I'm not putting myself in danger. I'm also not putting myself in danger of committing acts that I'm not sure I would be able to live with, with myself, you know? And that calculus is just so different for me. And the way that I would want to impact it is so not, it's kind of like not as physical, not as direct as the way you did it. And so I'm, I really am struggling trying to understand 
Although, look, we're just different people, and you have your way of impacting change and your value system, and I have a, you know, a different one. But it's like, I don't think I could ever um, enter into that situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I really believe deeply in doing uh, your part to, like, physically. Uh, you know, I'm a gardener, like, like to plant a tree. I don't want to like give someone five bucks <laughs> to say that they planted a tree in the yeah. rainforest. I'm, I'm the motherfucker who's like the carbon mitigation, like, you know, like I Buying give an credits. extra dollar. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm the cap and trader. You're the guy who's in there planting trees. Yeah. So I, I think I feel like it's important for everyone to actually physically do their part. Um, I've, I've always lived my life that way. And, and volunteerism, I think, is really, really crucial. You know, whether you're volunteering for a free food program or um, volunteering for... To fight ISIS in <laughs> northern Syria. I don't know. It's like, it is such a yeah. strange juxtaposition. juxtaposition. Um, I wanted to ask you about, in your experience over there, the children and, and encountering mm. children. You know, obviously yeah. they're a huge part of the refugee community. We've seen them, you know, obviously in war zones in Syria. They've, you know, oftentimes been casualties uh, yeah. of, of war there. Um, and They're used know, as human shields. Used as human shields, literally. As a parent, as a new parent getting there, you know, you can't help but feel even more acute in you when you sort of witness that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as well as like what happens when someone over there that's uh, with the YPG falls and they had a kid, you know, and uh, I go (laughs) to sit down for family, for dinner with their family, you know, and pay my respects. That's that's heavy. Yeah. And you Um, think we can't help but wonder what that child is thinking and processing and will grow up to be. Yeah. We, I mean, we have to like honor the sacrifices of the people that have, died in the struggle for freedom and democracy um whether they're people from the united states or uh kurds or arabs yeah well shiresh i'm not sure i'm any closer to understanding your story (laughs) but i'm i'm very interested in it and i very much appreciate you coming and being open about your experience and i'm glad you came back (laughs) i'm really glad i came back yeah (laughs) Okay, awesome. Thank you. Wow. I mean, that was really something. That guy's story is remarkable. Uh, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he, I can't. I thought I would leave that interview. I thought we would end that interview with my understanding. Um, more about his motivation but I think what it really showed me is like at the end of the day some people they function in such a different way that I'll never really be able to understand how he went from anti-war protester normal normative story into making this extraordinary decision like there's something that ticks in him that made it make sense for him to leave his newborn that made made it make sense for him to go fight and kill and you know Anthony you were saying that um he probably doesn't wrestle with it as much as I wrestle with it, you know? And I just have to come to terms with the fact that that's un- ununderstandable for me. That's beyond comprehension. I'm not going to relate. 
you like to put yourself in the shoes of guests and you can imagine yourself as Luke Cage. Yes. Yes. Or Jamie Oliver. Quite. But you can't imagine yourself getting on a plane, flying to Iraq, crossing the border into Syria and fighting against ISIS. You just don't see that for Joshua. You know, what I think is that it would take all of these assumptions, which I don't have, like that the best change that I can, the most impactful change I can make is tactical, like on the level, being on the front lines, putting myself in danger, endangering my family to the extent that I might not come back. Yeah. Right? Like, I would try to make a change in a different way. And it's admirable, I guess, and just a learning experience that that's not how he sees it. Of course. That's why he went to Syria. Yeah. I mean, as someone who's relatively new to this podcast, yeah. When I, when the proposition was first raised, I thought, you know, we'd be debating topics of, you know, how do we feel about iPads at bedtime or showing kids PG-13 movies before they're 13? I did not think that becoming a freedom fighter for Kurdish forces was in the realm of discussion. But that's what makes this great, I guess, Joshua. That's what makes you a (laughs) wonderful host. No, but don't you think that, you know, he justifies a lot of why he went on the basis of, I need to make a world that my son will, I need to make a better world for my son to inherit, A, and B, what he said is that I need to be able to justify to my son that I did all I could do to fight for what is right. Those things are so tied up with being a dad. And I think what I find so interesting about his story is he's willing to make such big sacrifices and endanger his very life in order to do that. Yeah. You know, I I think in some respects, if we were to have an American soldier in here with the military having a conversation about their own motivations, uh, some of it probably would sound similar. You know, I think that we tend to treat military in this country as ma- rather monolithically, yeah. like that, you know, they're just forces and they're people in other places and, you know, we don't personalize it. But yeah, I think some of the threads of what he was saying are relatable to other soldiers, I'm sure. Well, I think about it in terms of our other guests, like that um, Camilla Mora, who we talk about, the climate change professor right. who's like actually working really hard um, not just studying but being active in the realm of climate change to try to give his daughter a a better world I don't know it makes me think it's a dad like I don't know what percentage of things do you do in your daily life for your kids to inherit a better world mine is probably like um, 0.05% like I don't use plastic straws (laughs) and I have a reusable La Colombe coffee cup (laughs) well I I think you're good there that's pretty much making the world a better place uh i i think i do zero things a day if i'm being honest i think that uh i'm more on the uh jamie oliver side of uh, teaching empathy to uh children and making them you know good citizens and that's going to be my legacy but what the hell do i know yeah the difference is though like he's not teaching his kid right he's setting an example yeah, Shuresh. He's like out there fighting for yeah. that world. Yeah. Same thing with Camilla. And it's like, yeah, I want, I want to be a, uh, I want to be the best dad that I can. I want to 
build the best world for my kids but then i have this whole other like and then i just want to do me like yeah, i want to be no, a- i mean and, and 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 you know in full candor he's he's on his own journey i don't think he was trying to recruit um today's podcast was produced <laughs> by anthony roman i'd like to thank this guy jason gay this guy jesse schultz from iheart i'm joshua david stein Oh, it's also executive produced by Andrew Berman. And we'll see you next week.